Hi, this is Ken Sagos, a.k.a. Ken K. from A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 and Part 4. And let me tell you what I do. You see, when I finish kicking Freddy's Krueger's ass all over Dreamland, I kick back and relax at Nightmare Jughead Parkings. consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that loves the smell of both a new car and of course fresh feline where is he going with this because if he goes where i think he's gonna go okay bravo I, I'm not a blue, I, don't, I don't work blue my friend i don't work blue <laughs> you say that for me <laughs> <laughs> well for those that might be new my name is greg d i'm genius McGee. and on today's episode the killer car carnage finds us combining both a king and a carpenter as we take a test drive with 1983's christine and whether you've performed grease lightning in your bedroom or not you can listen into our show simply search for nightmare junkhead wherever podcasts are played Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your exhaust hole. <laughs> and if you are cruising out on social media, uh, you can find us at Twitter at Nightmare Junk, and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead, and it is on that book of face where we have an events tab, which leads to... Shenanigans and manual transmission shenanigans. <laughs> and as this episode is releasing on Friday, August 12th, if you live in the Kansas City area... Head on over to Screenland.com, where they will have your manual and automatic, no, manual and transmission shenanigans taken care of indoors, outdoors, and virtually. And technically, if you want to make it to tonight's Friday Night Friday, you better hurry the fuck up. <laughs> Our true fans that are waiting for this episode to drop. Our latest Friday Night Fright is one that we are going to be literally rolling into, but the beauty of it is it's a first timer. For both of us. Yes. But based on its reputation, and more importantly, the year it came out, 1977, we just know. We're going to break out the beaded curtain. You're darn right we are. So I'm curious to see what um, 1977's Death Game. Death Game! It's coming for you, Death Games! You had me for a brief second. I was like, oh, do they have an awesome like theme song like that? But I was like, no. You're there is a that. theme song, and I haven't heard it yet. But from what I understand, it's either going to stay in your brain or you're going to want to dig it out with a Q-tip. Well, what's, what I really know is the fact that it's got Sandra Locke, mm -hmm. who did a number of collaborations with Clint Eastwood. Oh, yeah. Including Every Which Way But Loose. Uh -huh. So she acted opposite uh, Clyde. Clyde. <laughs> uh, it's got a young Colleen Camp, mm -hmm. who I think a majority of people will recognize. As Babette, the maid from Clue. Clue. Uh, I will say this. I'm. I also know her work as uh, uh, Tackleberry's eventual wife. Yes, Mrs. Academy. Tackleberry, exactly. But regardless, they're then going up <laughs> with a guy I only knew from Rushmore, and this is when he was older. But this is a young Seymour Cassell. Holy shit! This dude's history of movies. He's been. He's one of those old Hollywoods from like the forties. It's been constantly work. He's on the Virginian, which means though he was not. Against 
or you know had any issues of you know acting in a exploitation genre film. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go to Italy. And I know this was uh, remade by Eli Roth, uh, called Knock Knock with Keanu Reeves. I haven't seen that either. Neither have I. So, but it's got uh, oh, what's your Ana de Armas. Ana de Armas. I, which yeah, I don't want to get Oof. creeps and nostalgia. It's probably too late on that. But I'm 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 anxious to see that now. Next week, I think actually might be a first timer for you. I've been lucky enough to see it theatrically, thanks to our friends at the Stray Cat Theater. Uh-huh. Uh, we are going to be taking in Brian De Palma's Sisters. I'm going to miss it. Oh, no, that's right. That's right. And it is a first-timer. When you can, check it out. I um, like De Palma. And it's got a great Margot Kidder performance. Okay. And this is young Margot Kidder. And it's also got William Finley as well. The Blessing! Oh, no, 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 no. William Finley from Phantom of the... Uh, oh, Paradise. Phantom of Paradise. Phantom. Oh, the Phantom. I'm Wait. thinking William Hickey. William. My bad. <laughs> he was also in Silent Rage when he showed up as one of the nerdlinger yes, scientists. I think we were all knowing, like, hey, it's the Phantom! So, needless to say, come on out for that one. That is going to be a blast. And also, check out our friends over at the Stray Cat Theater. In fact, I don't know if our friend Danielle will be coming, but I know she loves this movie because... Sisters? Mm-hmm. She is also a twin uh-huh. and has gone through some of the same stuff in the characters. She's like, oh, this wow. movie speaks to me. So I'm, 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 ex- I'm too bad. I'm just mad I missed it, and I'm gonna miss the nun after that too. We got a lot of good shit coming there's, up on Friday night. Oh, Friday. there's a lot of good stuff coming up I'm now. For, for, for. <laughs> that being said, the weekend of the twelfth, we do have some other repertory screenings going on. In fact, one of the films is actually responsible for the advent of the PG-13 rating coming about. Are we gonna see Red Dawn? <laughs> Technically, that was the first PG-13 rated film. We're talking 1984's Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Oh, no time for love, Doctor. Okay, controversial subject. That's my favorite Indian indie movie. Of course it does. It leans towards horror. It's my favorite one. The chilled monkey brains and the... And the uh, Oshishtabai. Oshishtabai. Yeah. Kalima. Kalima. Great. Again, Spielberg is very sneaky when it comes to inserting horror into his films. And Jaws, it's a horror movie. Absolutely. Jurassic Park. It's a horror it's movie. It's pretty much it's a, a horror film. It's a creature film. feature. <laughs> and, oh my goodness, there are some moments in Temple of Doom that just inspired so much kinder trauma. It is going to be a good time. And I've always wanted to ride that uh, mine cart. Oh, that's one of my favorite things in the video game. Yeah, the riding mine the mine cart, right? yeah. yeah, it's wonderful, it's wonderful. It, it translated to many a different kind of media. Now, also going on that weekend... Um, God, sadly, we've been we've lost a lot of stars. A lot of our favorite actors that are responsible for so many magical moments for both of us. But uh, we were just talking about him off mic. But uh, James Caan, of course, passing away. Uh, we are going to be having a screening of The Godfather, nice. of which his character Sonny and I've read the book actually. Do you know his other characteristic beyond being the hothead? Uh-uh. Is he uh, a horn dog? A horn dog, but also a. Um, it's James Con. He's kind of a, a, a Dirk Diggler esque kind of character. Oh, he's got a huge dong. There's a moment in the movie, in the wedding scene, you see some of the bridesmaids going around and they're doing. They're going, oh, oh, oh. They're referencing Sonny's member. Oh, wow. Needless to say, it adds another layer to the film when you watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen it, but it's one of those that. You need to see it if you're a film fan. Oh, yeah. The Godfather's fucking dope. It's incredible. Now, of course, uh, going on outdoors on Saturday the 13th, uh, a, a musical that I love the band that it's built around, but I've never seen the movie. 
genius. Have you seen Mamma Mia? Yes. Yes, I have. I actually seen both. I didn't mind Mamma Mia. I liked the first one. I, li- I fucking adore ABBA. Like, I got, like, four of their records, like, LPs. One of the best Swedish imports this side of, like, those weird fish. Oh, absolutely. That and Ikea. <laughs> but fucking, did you know mm. that um, half the, the two men from ABBA actually went on to write a uh, musical about a chess tournament? Really? Called Chess. And the one breakthrough song written by uh, Benny and Bjorn was One Night in Bangkok Makes the Hard Man Humble. That's the context is chess with that particular piece? Exactly, because I w- I'd let you watch. I would invite you, but the queens we use would not excite you. That's. This is why you come to this podcast. <laughs> not only for the wry commentary, the dick and fart jokes, but you know what? Little slivers of knowledge like that. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Now, that's an I've seen that for me, but I'm, I know it does really well out there. It's ABBA. Now, whether you live in the Kansas City area or from afar, uh, and you're, you're hearing us talk about Screenland, you know, week after week, episode after episode, you're like, you know what, they're pretty cool little place. That place seems cool. I wish I could go or help out. You, you can help out. In fact, there's a couple of ways you can do that. Uh, of course, you can go to ScreenlandOnline.com, where you can rent another number of films from them directly, or even better. Become a member of their film family by going to patreon.com slash screenland, where amongst their many perks, we are lucky enough to do a little watch party once a month called the Shutter Shoutout. Now, that being said, our latest one <laughs> is happening on the 27th, the uh, last Saturday of the month. From the get-go, when it was announced that these two films were playing. Let's do them! I almost was like ready to like negate anything we had planned, and I was like, let's make sure this happens, because we're going to be taking in both Alligator and Alligator 2, The Mutations, <laughs> with Alligator August. Yes, I can't wait. When you're watching Alligator, make sure you uh, cook a nice steak. Now, the key when you're cooking a steak is you got to have the fire. Yeah, fire. Fire. And you got to make sure that the charcoal is hot enough, because when it's not hot, you're hot. There is so much to love with that film beyond the, the giant alligator. Besides the walking of the plank. Let's just say <laughs> Stephen King approved. Yar! We're going to be talking about that quite a bit, quite a bit. Now, of course, both of those films are going to be streaming on Shudder. But by joining the film family, we put together what Genius likes to call... The home game. Of which we put together a customized pre-show, uh, introduction by Genius and myself, where we give you some... Little facts and figures. Mm-hmm. Vintage trailer wheel for each film. And of course, the post-film discussion. Oh, and you definitely know we're going to be practicing some matey calls. I've got several in mind, and I don't know what we might attract or what we might summon. Right. So be warned if anyone is out there. Now, of course, genius. If we are talking Patreon and film family. E bellies. I almost went, E. La, 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 la. It's shenanigans, right? It's shenanigans. We have our own little group that likes to get into shenanigans at Patreon. And in fact, we got a new member. Ooh. And what's kind of cool with this one is it's not necessarily a single individual. It's a collective. As it is a cool collective. Uh, In fact, uh, amongst uh, many members of our film family, we of course have the uh, Attack of the Killer podcast. Mm -hmm. All the gentlemen out on there, which... I just listened to your guys' uh, bro episode. 
Mike, the puns you come up with each episode for your intros, man, my hat's off to you. It's incredible. But I guarantee, Genius, a lot of our listeners out there, even if they're not part of our film family, they like horror. Mm -hmm. But not only do they like horror, they want to know about horror. They want to know the most current horror news out there. Maybe read a few horror reviews on new, uh, you know, mm. newly released horror movies. Maybe some articles. Uh, indeed, indeed. You know what? If they go to downrightcreepy.com, they can get all that and then some. In fact, thanks to our newest Patreon pally, the, the Downright Creepy family, I believe back in the day, and which is still might be in continuation, you were a part of a podcast, were you not? I was. I was on the on one of the, the, the it was called the Super Scary Fun Time Hour. I remember listening to it because it was you and Casey Canton. Yeah. That was and back we, when we, you were really the busiest man in podcasting. Yeah, and I'd still do it if I wasn't so busy. It's, you know, it's And plus, Tim, he's extremely talented and extremely busy himself. And you know him as the co-founder of the Panic Film Festival, so obviously someone that we have a close bond with. And even better, though, talked about the, the downright creepy family. Uh, film family member Julie Holland was just uh, promoted as the new associate editor of Downright Creepy. Congratulations! I love it when the family comes together. It is so friggin' nice. So head on over to downrightcreepy.com to take care of all your horror news reviews and then some. And of course, if you would like us to wax your car a little and plug and promote, you can become a member of our film family by heading to patreon.com slash nightmarejunkhead, where at the Downright Creepy tier with the squiddly diddly, you will actually have access to our Shutter Shoutout content, mm -hmm. and you're also going to have access three times a week. I talk about a brand new film that I'm watching for the first time, and I'm going as far back as like the 1920s uh, to current films. It is a lot of fun. I've actually uh, listened to some of the I've Seen That's. Really? Yeah. I oh. went back for the most recent one all the way down to... Uh, the one right before the Cat Fest video. <laughs> Which, well, I, I, I will say. I love the Cat Fest video one you did. That was amazing, and it made me laugh. I almost cried, and, like, it just kind of warmed my heart. Well, it's because of the fact that I was probably talking about the fact watching with you <laughs> was an experience. <laughs> Anything now with felines, cats, it does not matter. With genius, it just adds to the viewing. I like my kitty cats. You, there was a little stray out today when I was on my way here, and I was like, oh, I'm going to name him Rusty. And so, like. <laughs> my God, my God. Your squad goals, your house goals, your Telling cat you, goals, my friend. Telling you, I'm going to have a cat house. That sounded bad. <laughs> a cat house? It's okay. It's okay. We know the context. Now, the very next tier we have is the I've Seen That tier. Anyone involved with that can actually hear next week our thoughts on Prey, mm -hmm. which... That was a fun fucking episode, and that was a dope fucking movie. It's incredible. If you have not... If you don't have Hulu, or if you've been thinking about it, do it like a free trial. Fucking watch it. It it's is so worth your time. The only thing I'm mad about that movie, it was not released theatrically. How amazing would it see that on the big fucking screen? Yeah. And no dog trauma. Thank God. Right? Thank God. Dog right? anxiety, but no dog trauma. I don't care if it's a spoiler. You all have seen them plastered on the internet. He's a freaking he, star. Yeah, and he fucking rocks. And actually, it's a she, and she doesn't. Oh, she does. Yeah, yes. and she doesn't well, die. No, she she she. She's is, a good girl. She is a very good girl. <laughs> now, then, our next tier is the another time tier, and now that I'll actually give you access to our latest commentary for the month. We haven't 
exactly said what it is, but let's just say... It's going to scare the hell out of you. And of course, then, our top tier is another place of which the main benefit is you get to request for us to talk a film. And here this month, we had a request and review from a film family member, Marie... We got to go back to Clive Barker's Nightbreed. Fucking, it's always down. I'm always down to go to Midian. And fucking Button Eyes, the fucking killer, scary as shit, fucking Deckard. Holy goddamn. Tell me, man, I would party in Midian, and I would get those of gloves, the kind that protect from the... Just spoil alert, there's not a lot of deal breakers for Genius and Midian. No, not no, at all. I not think at all. it's pretty mm -hmm. much just... Any port in a storm. Any where port the, where in a storm. the monsters can play. <laughs> now, if that sounds like something oh. you'd be interested Speaking in. Speaking of another time, another place. Oh, yes. I, I was going to post this on, on the thing. I just wanted to let you know. So there is a German stage production of off-Broadway of um, Roman Polanski's The Vampire Killers. And it incorporates tonight is what it means to be young. At the very end. It's crazy it's weird it's wonderfully weird it's the reason why the internet exists it's all these vampires singing in german to streets of fire and you know the tune mm -hmm. it's tonight that's what it's going to be young boy do you think we make another tier where we actually try to recreate that with video yeah i think we could do it i think I we think could so. do that hell if we did a whole musical commentary we we which technically you provided all the talent that we actually did watch the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and it was a sing-along where Genius played all the parts. I just merely did a little backing vocals and some uh, support. <laughs> I should have got like maracas and a tambourine. Only thing missing. Only thing missing. So we do indeed have every tier for your fear. So head on over to patreon.com slash nightmarejunkhead. Join our film family. And family is definitely present and a number of the themes in the movie we're talking about. And what I love with this movie is it's one that I, over the kind of the course of our friendship in this podcast, through a variety of the theaters here in town, our relationships with them, I've been lucky enough, we've been lucky enough to experience this movie in a theater, large and loud. But man, even this last time, just watching it at home with you, you know, in your house. It was a great viewing. Oh my it goodness. It was so fucking good. And it just seems like that movie gets better every <laughs> time I watch it. It's slowly creeping up on, on one of my favorite on my favorite carpenter list. I oh, mean, absolutely, absolutely. And that's the thing. Most people always forget that this is one of those carpenter flicks. And I think that goes for a number of reasons, because you couldn't imagine two more contrasting kind of Ideologies? Issues at the time, yeah. Because at this point, John Carpenter in 82, we all love The Thing. The Thing is seen, rightfully so, as maybe his best movie. Mm -hmm. But in 82, upon release... Oh, it was a bomb. He, Carpenter, they, they, he was almost poison. He, he was. He was in director jail for a while. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't getting a lot of offers. And what's crazy is, weirdly enough, this is kind of just a director for hire film. Not necessarily a passion project, of which a lot of the work he does... is always passion projects. And yeah. that's, no, that's not to say that well, he's not passionate with this one. True. It's just, it's not his main thing. It's just like, I needed some work. I need to, you know, put some bread on the table. Mm -hmm. Put a little scratch in the wallet. But he fucking knocked it out of the park with this. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, and... Top to bottom. We talk about the importance of collaboration on the show. So if you're going to have one of the great up-and-coming directors in genre... 
then work with uh, one of the great up-and-coming writers in genre, only good things can come about it. Right. And Stephen King, unlike Carpenter, he wasn't having any issues. I mean, all of his work were bestsellers. They're being adapted. You can't... Before he could even finish writing them, they were being adapted. Which Case I, in point. Which is crazy. So to imagine, then, those two courses aligning, and like you said, gives us a movie that works on so many levels and i'm talking just as a killer car film because i think at one point we were like okay check 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 check, check. Uh-huh. across the board but more than anything this one is almost like a, a a character study with a killer car where the car itself is one of those characters mm-hmm. that is toxic uh, relationship oh about God. about um obsessive about um when you're in love and so obsessive with somebody that nothing else matters mm-hmm. and to the detriment of everybody else. And so there's a lot of different themes other than, ooh, the car, the car is the evil. You know, there's a lot of different <laughs> things than just that. And uh, in like every other viewing, I'm like, oh, there's something else I see. Oh, there's that theme too. Like this watch, I've seen some of the scenes dozens of times, mm-hmm. but in this one, I'm like, that's what he's going for. Do you think it's because... As, as we as we age gracefully here on the show, do you think it's the baggage that you bring each time? Yeah, I think so. I think because your favorite movie or not, movie you've seen a million times or not, every time you watch it, you're a different person. Yeah. And so, like, I think that, not showing growth, but because, like, fucking I ain't growing. The only <laughs> thing I'm growing is sideways. But, like, the... Uh, uh, you know, it shows a little bit more growth that you're more, I don't want to say an adult hat on, but it's always Ooh. good to see that a movie that you've always enjoyed, you just see more things of it, and then you enjoy it more and more and more. I think it goes to the fact that it's Stephen King, and a lot of his material does age nicely. And it's very adult. You need to be aged to really appreciate it's, it's, it. Well, and it makes sense then that he would love Clive Barker, because again, he is one of those writers that you, you kind of need to be an adult. But I, I will say... Barker definitely um, sides to the more sexy side of horror. Right. And with Stephen King, it's... More violent and just... Oh, blunt trauma in a lot of ways. Yeah, a lot of trauma. Always, a lot of themes are something about something violent happened or dealing with something in the past Mm -hmm. or not facing your demons or running away or all that stuff. It's unreal how much it works. But what I thought was interesting, though, is the fact that, being we talked about how it's kind of carpenter for hire in this case, uh, this is his first film not shooting with Dean Cundy, which I found interesting. But you almost, with some of the shots, you couldn't tell. Well, it's it's still Carpenter's vision. He's just got a new guy to try to bring that vision in that's going to bring in his thing. Now, the cinematographer here, uh, Donald M. Morgan, and again, he shot uh, Starman with him, so he started developing, and he would always develop a relationship with his cinematographers. I think it's like Robert Kibbe, I mm-hmm. think with like Prince of Darkness yeah, and all Kibbe those. Yeah, w- that, and see, that's another thing. It's the collaboration, not just mm-hmm. the collaboration of, of Carpenter and King, but of Carpenter and, and Cundy or Carpenter and Kibby or Carpenter of um, any one of these works with. It's, it's, he, has a, he knows what he wants, and apparently he's really good at explaining what he wants. I, I love the Movie Crypt podcast, and it's only made better because Adam Green and Joe Lynch, first and foremost, are filmmakers, and they've talked all the time that you know a, you can be a better director by knowing how to talk to your cinematographer to your production designer and have that l- like almost film language mm-hmm. and because John Carp 
He's a fanboy through and through. Oh, yeah. Old school. Old Hollywood. Yes. Old Hollywood fanboy. And he brings that element to it. In fact, what I love with this film is it came out in 1983. It's set in 78. And it feels very much like something that would have come out in the 70s. Mm -hmm. Where the car itself is very much a character and has a presence from the beginning. From the get. From the get. (laughs) And what I love, though, this is still a John Car... So how do we... Do we say this is like... John Stephen King's John Carpenter's. This is John Carpenter's Stephen King's Christine. Okay, because, because there's a lot of deviations from the King's mm-hmm. book, and it's. Have you read that one? Half of it. Okay, half it's of a it. Big tome. It's a huge tome. <laughs> I mean, I love reading Stephen King, and I've tr- I've tackled a few of his mounds. I've, I'm, I can I proudly say that I read the entire stand. That's impressive. And this is truly impressive. All 1,500 pages of it. It took me four months. I've nothing. You have to, I mean, you almost had to like have, you would get back problems carrying that thing around. Oh, yeah. I would read a couple of chapters every night, and it took me that fucking long. I did the same thing with Misery, same thing with Carrie. And so I like reading Stephen King. I haven't finished Christine yet, but it, there's a lot of differences. But this is more of John Carpenter's yeah. vision of it. So I would say this is John Carpenter, Stephen King's Christine. That works for me. That works for me. And Christine herself uh, is a 1958 Plymouth Fury. And again, I don't know anything about cars. But it looks cool. It looks wonderful. And like you said, from the get-go, I love that shot of all the cars going down. And they're all like this beige color. Except Christine. She's red. Blood red. But even before we get into it, one thing that I love, we're always talking about like John Carpenter's music and stuff. And yes, we'll talk talk about the music later. But one thing that he does in this movie that he really doesn't do in a lot of his other movies, the opening is musicless. Yeah. It's just the car room. Gunning that engine. And it's loud. And it sounds mean. It does sound it menacing. Sounds menacing and mean. I've noticed that immediately. Like, ah, ah. Right? Because you're, you're waiting for, like, dun, 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 you know, something. But no. But, he, but what he, though, consistent across, he's got that Alberta font mm-hmm. that he uses. <laughs> And I don't care. And that's the probably the most confusing thing with a Carpenter film. Like if you walk into it, like during the credits, you're like, if you don't know necessarily the cash, like, well, the font's the same. I can't differentiate that way. God this damn you, Christine of Darkness. <laughs> is this Vampires of Mars. Uh, but one of the things that you mentioned also, just in terms of the themes of the movie, we talk about the the toxicity of the relationship between Artie, uh, Arnie, and Christine, and how that can be a parallel for. So many things. And with Stephen King especially, oh, yeah. the demons he had with the alcoholism, the drug abuse, those thi- those specters that he had haunting him. You know, Christine, you can turn her into anything, and it works the exactly. same way. And that's why, again, that's why I really love his work. But from the get-go, like you said, we've got Christine showing her true colors off the assembly line from the just born evil because mean in the movie the, i mean in the book it's, it's the it's spirit, spirit of somebody the previous owner e, yeah. yeah but in this one no right off the lot just from the get do, do you think if you're automatically you're like your theme song is up by george thorogood you're just on a on a pathway you know mm-hmm. you can't veer from it no matter no, how you, you want you're either like a big mean biker or a drunk because, like, if your theme song is one bourbon, one scotch, and one beer, right? Then, yeah, you might need to see KA. But, like, yeah, and if your theme song is bad to the bone, you're probably an early 90s biker. Oh, I, yeah, that works. That works. You know? Well, it's 
she maims and mauls a dude's hand. From the get! From the get! And then we have the introduction, and this is what I love with Carpenter, is his love of character actors. And Art Evans showing up. And now Art Evans, for me, is... A lot of fans will know him. He's uh, the detective in Fright Night. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's more importantly, he plays this homeless guy in this Walter Hill film called Trespass. Fuck yeah, Trespass. Trespass was probably one of those first films I remember back in the day when I was watching like um, New Jack City and I was kind of adjacently introduced to hip hop and rap mm-hmm. because I didn't necessarily know the, like Ice T and Ice Cube from their music, but I knew him in Trespass. I knew him in, uh, you know, in uh, surviving the surviving game. Surviving the game, right? So, but Art Evans has always been, he's a that guy character actor. And so when you get 19. And he's always smoking a stogie. Always smoking a stogie. It's what you did in the 80s. Mm-hmm. You could smoke a stogie on the assembly line. This is when you could still smoke in an airplane. Yeah. Think about that. But see, that's what he gets for ashing his stogie in, in the car. His we, comeuppance. Not only do we lean that Kurt Christine is mean. But she wants you to show a certain level of respect. Exactly. You don't dirty your insides. And if that respect is not shown, you're screwed. What I love, though, is the... And in fairness, that is a good rule because you shouldn't dirty anybody's insides without their consent anyway. <laughs> is this more of a like a PSA etiquette kind of piece? Yeah. Of just, you know, good car behavior? Don't, <laughs> there's there's going to be a UC panning on the side. There's a motorcycle with a single tear coming out of its headlight. God damn, you're talking about an age of demarcation again, my friend. My goodness. <laughs> Hi, I'm Lou with the Latin bug, and I'm here to tell you not to ruin shit in cars. <laughs> but we get from the go. You do not disrespect Christine. Mm-mm. And then we. what I love, though, you talked about no score at all at the beginning. Hints of a score throughout. More present, though. The soundtrack. The soundtrack. And the great thing I loved about the soundtrack, I wrote it down, is everything, every song is either a song from the 50s or a remade song, <laughs> a remade 50s song made in the 70s. That transition so, mm-hmm. was really wonderful and with so, that Buddy Holly song. Yeah, everything just kind of works. Carpenter's like, yeah, I got an idea. It's going to be great. <laughs> what do you think, George? Why am I in this movie? God damn it. I'd be perfect for the person who's running this goddamn junkyard. And... Let or me, the person who owns the car. The person that owns the Smells car. Smells like pussy. You know, just like... It would flow. Perfectly. Much like Samuel L. Jackson can deliver Quentin Tarantino's dialogue, Buck Flower, my man, he can just... Anything that is dirty, that is Profane, nasty... Yes. filthy, and like also wise. Like he can have some nuggets of wisdom just somewhere buried in like filth. Well, then I also really would hope we could have seen him in... The Aluminum Monster get up? What was that? The aluminum was it a, monster get up. Was had it to a, been back a back brace? brace. Okay. Had, had to have been one of those old school antique back brace. You know when you know like those old t oh, those old time antique retainers that they had where it was just this big it looked like a jigsaw trap. <laughs> right? So that's what that guy was wearing. Yeah. I need to keep my back straight so when I need to shovel ice and snow for Kevin McAllister, I'll be okay. That was him, wasn't it? Yep. He so, was the old man. Mm-hmm. And he also played a um, Ed Gein character in a movie called Deranged back in the day. Mm-hmm. I was wondering who that was. And man, he plays dirty and dingy. Really Almost, good. I mean, he gives Buck Flower a run for his money. Yeah, Don't get does. me wrong. Yeah, I would have killed to see Buck Flower in that, but he's damn good in this. If he would be a professional hobo, there might be another face of the Mount Rushmore of professional hobos. Because right now, there's only two. It's him and Carmine Phillip. Yep. So, but had he actually geared that way? Well, and I don't know. It's he, he has the line, of course, that 
Now, do you remember, so this closed one of the unofficial Carpenter Fest, which, by the way, of course, is going to be happening the weekend of uh, August 27th. Mm-hmm. Sadly, the we first one we're going to miss. Not, yeah, since the inception of Carpenter I know, Fest, we're not I know. Be there. But Christine closed out one of the, the unofficial one, which I think it was like it was Halloween, the fog, and Christine. And I, we were we were like, we need to close with Christine because we were lucky enough. We got to see John Carpenter perform live. It was rad. Oh, and he closes his thing up. Guys, thank you for coming out. Be careful out there on the road. You never know when Christine's out there. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, it's fucking and rad. We lose our mind. We're like, yeah, ah! Christine! Right? <laughs> it's so freaking But cool. it's a fucking dope song, though. Oh, I it's think incredible. That's one of his underrated scores because we all know um, the Halloween theme, right? We Everybody, mm-hmm. normies know the Halloween mm-hmm. theme. And you can always tell Carpenter themes just by hearing them. But something about, and this the vision, I've always loved it, and it was it's just beautiful. That scene where you hear the music kick in, and you just see that flaming car oh my God. coming down oh the my highway God. with the music. It is a hauntingly scary and beautiful, beautiful. scene at the same time. Because even in like the way the, the headlights are shining that blue streak across. Against the, bl- against the uh, red light from the flames. Goddamn. It's oh, incredible. It's, it's incredible. But that Nerdoween, or not Nerdoween, but that Carpenter Fest, we realized not that because it played in Theater One, it played like it would, but it was it was the humor was that surprised way me. Way funnier than I expected. And that's just it. That was kind of the surprise of it. But yeah, when the guy throws in the, you know, the new car smell, the only thing better, just when you hear that, you're just like, oh, they threw in a lot of the profanity post-film. Because primarily, this is a fairly chaste film. Extremely chaste. Even the kill scenes are chaste. And you, and I think one of the it was a reaction from the thing. Carpenter was kind of like distancing himself from the geek show <laughs> with Rob Botin. But from Rob Botin to I think was it Rob Arbogast uh, with the uh, the special effects. The special effects were just as amazing as this because the whole reverse vacuuming so cool. repair scene that is just awe inspiring. And it's just as simple as shooting something in reverse. Right. Simple. Filmmaking techniques, but it's movie magic, and it looks amazing because it's real. It's yeah, it's practical. Well, it's it, there. The why the reason the fire looks so good is again, there's no ones and zeros on it. That is real fire, which is really scary when you do something like that because so many things can go wrong with that. And you want we the whole thing with kind of our killer cars at this point is uh, the cars themselves, but also the people that are operating the cars. Um, uh, did we give? Um, we haven't given any, but we only gave uh, that guy love. We need to give Keith Gordon, and we need to give um, Adrienne Alexandra Paul, and we need to give Kelly Preston. Oh my God! Surprise, late, Kelly Preston! Two late, in a row. The late Kelly Preston, and again, yeah, showed up in Tinda Midnight. Um, the the it's loaded with your favorite character. And I felt so bad for Kelly Preston because <gasps> one, she's Kelly Preston and she's gorgeous. Oh she's God. goddamn Kelly Preston, and she's like. Hi, and the guy just walks past her multiple times, and I'm just like, "Why would you do that to Kelly Preston?" Well, in in fairness, Alexandra Paul at that point—that's true—and I know her not from Baywatch, uh, but from a little Kevin Costner film called American Flyers, which is all built around ten-speed bike racing. <laughs> <laughs> is, is it Kevin Costner's rad? <laughs> The only thing missing is him doing a duet with send Alexander Paul. Send me a hero, right, or send me an angel right now. Although, to be fair, 
American Flyers has a pretty kick-ass theme song. Really? Let's go, American Flyers. You reach high. I can't sing, but it's pretty good. I don't know, man. Pet Shop Boys is pretty rad, though. I fucking love Pet Shop Boys. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, but yeah, oh my goodness. Let's get playing, into... I was playing Scrabble with my mother, and I was going to play Fellatio, and she wouldn't let me have it because she said it was obscene. Keith Gordon. Nerd! Nerdlinger! Plays, and especially he had a run in the early 80s of playing... That Nerdlinger. And I recently watched Dress to Kill for the first time, in which he plays the son of Angie, Dick, uh, Angie Dickinson, and he's like this engineering nerd. He's an inventor nerd. And it plays into the movie. Um, I Have you seen the... Le- Again, I know it's and I've seen that for you, The Legend of Billie Jean. Mm-hmm. He plays... A, he plays a Tommy Jarvis-esque character, actually. Special effects and filmmaking. Oh, not not in the mental asylum because... No, like, no. body okay. slamming people through things. Yeah. <laughs> but in this one, I mean, he, from, from his first entryway into the film, when he's stumbling across the screen, spilling trash everywhere, I had to resist to give him a wedgie. Nerd! Wallet inspector, you know, and just like... <laughs> but he... Plays it well. This and carburetor better work, nerdlinger. <laughs> well, you talk about the themes. There's another theme of like transformation in this movie in terms of his journey that goes along with Christine. Because when they have that first moment, when they lay eyes on each oh, other. Oh, it's love at first sight. It is. But even before Christine comes into play, oh. if you take Christine out of this, yeah, it's you have a high school boner jam from the get. Two horny high school students trying to get laid. Um, new girl in school. Yep. Shenanigans ensue. They, Schlocker shenanigans. They have bullies to go up against. That in some other film, you know, where we would get the bra bomb. Yeah. But in this case, it might actually be like a, a bomb be, filled with nails. Exactly. In any other movie, uh, Artie would be fucking a pie instead of like driving him over. Him over 30-year-old seniors. Oh, my God. And the collection of street toughs that we have here, it's some of my favorite people in there because uh, William Ostrander plays Buddy. Now, he's a monster. He looks like Wolverine. He, he, looks like, he looks like he's related, like a distant relative to Glenn Danzig. Yes, he does. He looks like the offshoot of Buddy Ravel in 3 O'Clock High. Mm-hmm. But much like in, like, um, um, you had Travolta playing, like, you know, a 30-year-old senior in Greece, He's kind of the same vibe. And there's a number of like Grease vibes that we got there as well. Um, podcast favorite showing up here. We're like, oh shit, Stu Charno. I mean, he's one of those guys. He's that guy. He, so many of that guy. He's like, oh, it's that redheaded gangly dude. I've seen him in tons of shit. Well, and we were, we were wondering, it was like, we know he escaped Jason's wrath uh-huh. in Friday the 13th part two. Could he escape Christine's wrath? Because we weren't. We, we forgot, actually. But the answer is no. No, he does not. He does not. He bested Jason, but not Christine. We also get uh, Stephen Tash. He's the other the one. The racer with, head? Uh, yes, oh. he had the other sideburns. Most people know him. I knew him immediately as the guy that uh, Peter Vankman is messing with at the beginning of Ghostbusters. Yeah, the, the parent of the, the psychic It's a couple powers. of wavy lines or something. <laughs> Dropping the gum. It's wonderful. You even get... Mooch or Moochie, whatever that mm-hmm. guy is. You get. I don't want to say it's the rotund. No, it's of the, the fat group. party it's animal fat, friend. He's only missing a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, I see. I'm that one in our the goof, goof crew, crew, right? I'm the fat party <laughs> but animal. No one in our goof crew are sporting like like switch switchblades. Blades. <laughs> now I have a switchblade comb. 
Two dollars. <laughs> yeah, too bad, you know, um, Savage Steve Holland didn't make uh, a, 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 a Stephen a King claim, adaptation. This claymation car going around. Hell's yeah. You know it would, and it would work. Yeah, it would. It'd be, inter- it'd be entertaining as all get out. But then you would get uh, Cusack to do it, and he wouldn't realize it's supposed to be a comedy. <laughs> well, we also get John Stockwell playing the jock. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think their friendship, were they... Like friends from elementary school that just stayed together. Oh yeah. Even though, because he's like, like the me quarter- and Dustin. Dustin was the jock, and I was the theater kid. That's right? fair. No, that's but you're right. We became we stayed friends. I mean, like so, yeah. No, and that's fair. Even when we, we even when we would run in different circles, we would still run in the same circles a, a lot of times. So no, I think they just been they've been boys. Well, and and, so. and it works, and I I like the relationship, and especially the care that he puts into looking after Artie. He puts Arnie. a lot of care into Arnie, and he like. He is like legit looking out for his really best interest at heart, but it's almost like when you someone starts a new relationship that you know that's not good for them. Mm-hmm. You cannot tell anybody different, nope. and that goes for anybody. Is yep. you're in a real relationship, everything's like birds singing and sunshine and shit. You can't like that person is bad fucking news. And we, I mean, I've had friends that have gotten those kind of relationships and you're just you you want to say something cuz you can see it but you can't no. cuz no matter it's going to fall on deaf ears and they're they're, po- they're it's almost like they're poisoning each other right and the further he gets along with Christine and i think a lot of the model work is her getting the love back and starts transforming herself and i think there's actually an image where the the crack in the window from one shot to the other gets a little bit better. Mm-hmm. It's so freaking cool. It's like the more love he's giving her, the more like, hey, I'm feeling a little... And that's another thing about the toxic relationship going thing. Yeah, you're feeding somebody love, but if then they take that love and they turn it against other people, then that's no good. If you can't see other people, that's usually not a good thing. Oh, not at when all. They're, when someone is controlling you, again, when you're becoming a different person based on the influence of some other influence, it just, yeah. It's it works well, but I wanted to get back real quick. John Stockwell, him is he and Dean's boy, he is not, but he, much like Keith Gordon, had the director's bug. They wanted to direct from the get go, and Keith Gordon also. The fact that he worked with De Palma and Carpenter, and Keith Gordon has made a shit ton of TV. Holy shit! Prolific. Yes, he's made his episodes mark. Episodes of Dexter, episodes of uh, Hannibal, episodes of uh, Westworld, episodes of this, episodes of that, and it's like f- episodes of Better Call Sal, episodes That's, of everything. So he, and he's still working to this day. Yeah. So he is so in demand. If you like a show, he's probably Keith directed. probably directed an episode. Now let me ask you this: By any chance, did you see Crazy Beautiful with with Ewan McGregor? With Keir, no Kirsten uh, Dunst and oh Jay, what was his name? He was in Hostel. Uh, Jay Chandelier. Uh, what? No, I know of no, that's, it. Okay. Directed by John Stockwell. Blue Crush. The surfer one with Alba? Directed. No, that's a different one. That's oh, no, in, that's, that's something. Yeah, that's. That's Into the Blue, which he also directed. Okay. The man's got a thing. The man's got a thing. But both of them, I just love the fact that they transitioned to directing. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of them, I think even someone said like acting was just kind of like an internship for us. We were just soaking in all the information that we could. Smart. I love that. I love it. It's and so I always cool. like actor turned directors because like they know. They know. Yeah. <laughs> it's again like we were talking about the collaboration. You know, as a director, you should know how to convey what you want to do to your cinematographers. Yep. And as an actor and directing, you know how to talk to other actors and what to bring out. So I, some of the actors turned directors make some fantastic movies. Well, needless to say, we had a 
blast with this movie. In fact, one of the things, one of my first lines here was at the point I think they were at the high school football game, and you got the street toughs out there, uh, everyone's out there, but they had their mascot, and it was Indians, and we were like, oh, cultural appropriation and cheerleaders, this film has all. Everything. (laughs) Which, again, is like, okay, 83, another time. Another place. Which, but... The thing that you mentioned, though, is talking about the soundtrack to this movie. Um, the songs in relation to the film always have something to do with what C- Christine is communicating. Christine is talking in through. It's like Bumblebee from yes, Transformers. When which, by the way, have you seen Bumblebee? No. Watch it. Is John Cena the bad guy in that one, right? It's. I do not really. I've only. I've only seen the first Transformers, but I just didn't realize. Yeah. I really liked Bumblebee. That's what I heard. I heard it's, it's really good. I heard it's more akin to the something 80s you would get to it. It actually had a little bit of heart to it, which I was really. I liked. But every bit from the. Keep on knocking on the door. No, so that's great. So the first of all, when um, <laughs> they're on the date and she's about to choke, he puts that light like. The boy is mine, or like yeah. nothing will stand between boy, our love. Right. I mean, was he getting? Was he with pulling? Monica and Brandy? Right. <laughs> Reach into the future for that, this one. That's if that's if they remade it. Oh, that's good. And if Pris- good. and if Christine was a Prius. <laughs> so no, you know that would happen if they it remade would. it. It would it be would. an electronic car and it like would work. Uh, damn new Tesla. I can't turn left, Hile. So no, um, <laughs> no. So anyway, but. <laughs> So when she's talking like the, the, my guy or something like that, and then um, I loved it when Christine was stalking inside the, her prey. It was like, that was great. That was a great scene. But it was hilarious when um, the friend is trying to get in, and then he turns on. You keep on knocking, but you can't come in. Dun 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 dun. And I was like, they should have like. Little Richard car alarms that would play that when you, know, you try to break. You keep on knocking, but you can't come in, right? And then you like when you want to turn it and you're turning it on instead of eh, eh, it goes woo, right? And then like if you want, you can set it to Spanish and it could be like you keep on knocking, but you can't come in. Then 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 you keep on knocking, but you can't woo, right? Oh, I forgot, I left my keys or I left something in the car. Woo woo, right? <laughs> All right, let me get him. Let me lock up again. Woo, right? So. Now, what is the alarm though? When you when like the panic alarm? Wah, it, bah, baloo, bah, bah, wah, bam, boom. It starts, there it is. Yeah, there it is. So <laughs> if you start, if something, if you hear tutti frutti, you're in trouble. Something's wrong. Call the police. Oh, good lord, man! Uh, I'd like to think that uh, Blaine and Predator would uh, buy that car alarm. Go have me some fun. <laughs> and that, that's what the salesman says. You want to have you some fun? It's Bill Duke, and he's just constantly shaving. Oh. My God, my God. So we eventually get a lot of the character work. We slowly see Christine poisoning Arnie. And let me fucking hit. You know, and so the, before we poison yeah. we're to the. In the very beginning, I can kind of see where Arnie's coming from, where he's like, look, I can't do anything. I have to ask permission for it. Mm-hmm. I'm a high school senior now. You can see he wants some sort of independence. Some as freedom. We all did when growing up. Yep. So you can see that. But when it comes into play is when he's like, fuck you, mom. I can't have this car. Da, 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 you know, and it's like when you choke out your dad, there's things right. things are not they're going astray. And everything was good until like Christine's Christine. influence just came and then he became violent because even they were talking about that guy, the last donor. What, what did he say? He goes, you could pour boiling water in and you piss out ice cubes. And it's like, holy wow. shit. There's some incredible line readings throughout the Robert Protsky. As Darnell, 
I mean, when we were watching it this time, he we were like, the fucking show. None of you goddamn kids better give me any guff. You hear? Oh, I lo- I loved him. And loved I will take him. him over Buck Flower in that kind of a role, though, because Buck Flower needs a little bit of a support. That's and he was. That was only he just started acting in '81. James Caan's Thief, Michael Mann's movie, was his first acting role. See, so I'm he's t- only two years in. And when I was telling you we were talking, like that means there's hope. When I turn 50, I'm gonna start auditioning. I'm gonna be a professional hobo. So like, in like. When, what do we say? Thirty years from now, whenever there's some, there's two nerds doing a space cast, they're gonna be like, <gasps> "Genius <laughs> McGee, goddamn peckerhead!" Someone's gonna do a bad impression of me, <laughs> uh, squiddly diddly, right or something. <laughs> oh come on now, you know it's the don't dream it, <laughs> don't dream it. If we could only be as lucky, well, like there are a number of character actors and I have to say character actors because they weren't hired for their looks Right. that got late That's starts. the only way that I'm going to be a, well I kind of already am. I play a, bar- a bartender in Clown Nato. I just got to keep those little small bit parts where I say something goofy. Dude, it's, it's all there. It's all there but he is chewing through the scenery and we're this far into the show talking about leathery chewing through scenery. Hello Harry Dean Stanton. Welcome back, podcast favorite. He was made to oh. play uh, gruff cops. Oh, and he was thrilled to actually get to play a cop rather than an actual like shady dude, right? <laughs> or or working class man. He and the dynamic, and actually, as Arnie slowly starts evolving into this devolving, like, yeah, into this greaser as character, a shitter. You know, as he says, shitters, all that, the shitters are going to die. That confrontation between him when he's in the car and he's like giving him so much gruff. Man, I was like, dude. And I, I, well, I just, me and Christine are going to kill them all. I'll get rid of all the shitters. And we get the first uh, uh, scene when she takes out Moochie. And like you said, you got that great panning shot. Oh, no, before Ke- when they destroy Christine, or they think they destroy oh, that's Christine. that's right, that's right. Oh, that's right, because we get That's the... why they go, that's why she goes after. It's not necessarily that they're fucking with Artie. Yeah. They're like, okay, you fuck right. with it's Artie, you're going to fuck with me, but you start fucking with me, I'm going to kill all of you. Because, didn't it look like Grease? Yeah, oh, and that's just it. It's in my notes, too. It is a Grease so much, because, I mean, they are doing Grease Lightning. I mean, he is doing the Kaniki in the film, you know. Mm-hmm. No, I should say the Travolta on the film, the Kaniki in the stage show, for our musical fans out there. And it starts like... What's happening? Are we getting the you know? But no, they gonna, tear gonna, it. got my sledgehammer. Gonna be Christine down. Grease lightning, oh grease lightning. And they tear the shit out of that yeah, car. They, they take a shit on her fucking uh, uh, right on the dash. Oh, you, you, she was upset about ash on the dash. You imagine shit on the dash. Forget about oh, it. No, Forget about toast. it. And this also then happens. Technically, we get the show me scene, and this time. From the camera work where we get that lovely zoom over his shoulder. It looked like a peep show. Yes. It looked like something sexual. Intimate. Mm-hmm. They were, and he plays it that way, and the way it's shot, and the show me, and then the lights kick up, and he's, that's, you've, Arnie's lost. We've yeah. lost him. He's gone. It's just like, he's just seeing the most beautiful dancer dance, and it's just like. It's, it's, it's sad. It's creepy. It's kind of vintage Carpenter in a way. It's just great. It's the way how beautiful it is. It's how sad it is, it's though. It's extremely sad because 
he's gone. Yeah. This is just, it's now, it's, they're no longer two individuals. No. They're now one thing. So we had um, uh, Benefer and all those. What would, would it be like? Artine? Artine. Artine, possibly. Or Christy? Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. I was just thinking off the top of my head there. No, no, Christy's way dumb because like Artie and Christine. So I like Artine. Artine. That sounds more like I love. My name is Artine, and I am an artist. You know, and they're they're just and they're just like lobbing raw meat at things. <laughs> Have, did you have a chance to watch uh, Crimes of the Future yet? Mm-mm. It's a fucking Cronenberg film all about performance art. It's great. Also, Flux Gourmet also plays well with that. It's another one about like food performance art. Sorry, it's stuck on my brain. I want to see that one with Anna Taylor Joy and Ralph Fiennes, basically Hell's Kitchen. Yes, it's dude. It's it looks so much fun. It looks uh-huh. like so much fun. But the first kill, we get that reveal, which was very almost like shape esque. Like we said, Fuck yeah, it was because he's walking by and it's like doo doo doo, and you're like, holy shit! And then and like then the music mm, kicks in. Mm, yep. Mm, 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 mm. And then when you get when the when the head lights kick on, you get the. And then that ding, 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 that theme kicks in. Oh, it's great! It's mm. so great, ah. and even better when uh, they're ter- that that scene. It's burned into my brain how gorgeous it is. Just Christine, a hundred percent on fire, mm. rolling down the highway, and then bip, 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 and she's still on fire, and then he's yep. just toast, crispy critter, glorious. And that's a long, full, engulfed flame. Like you were talking, there's no ones, there's no zeros. That's an actual car. The fuck on fire. And that was driven by the um, stunt coordinator. And actually, he, again, you watching uh, Death Proof not too long ago for Friday Night Frights, you know, you get appreciation for the old school stunt guys. Terry Leonard drove it. And apparently, because the fire sucked out all the oxygen of the car, he was in a, like a flame-proof suit, but he had an oxygen machine on to breathe in there because he couldn't breathe otherwise. Oh, shit. Uh, so, yeah, it's super intense. And it's just one of those, it's what you remember of Christine. It's super cool. It's, it, it, that's just it. It's, it's cool. It's, it's rad. fucking cool. Uh, I'm looking at uh, some of the, the suck it in Christine scene when she mangles herself to split the guy in half. Mm-hmm. And again, we don't see the aftermath. It's just all off camera but for the most part. Show is cut in half. And they talked about like you had to like shovel up his bottom half. So it's nasty and gnarly. But you know, I'm not going to show that right now. Yeah. But I'll show that nice like that m- rough greaser, not rough greaser, the gruff uh, Darnell. Oh, I'll well, show his demise. Well, he, he's the crispy critter. When uh, the Ghostbusters guy, when he get that. When he gets his comeuppance in the garage, when he gets smashed multiple times, I mean like hardcore smash, and then um, that, and then the gangly ginger gets blown the fuck up. But then I felt bad for Darnell getting squished, and like I was like, oh man, that sucks to be like killed by oh, it's crushed. Mean. Yeah, that one. Hurts. That was a mean one, and it's weird because like that's one character you don't want to see die, and you watch every agonizing minute. The ones you really want to see die, you don't, or yeah. it's like boop, and it's it's done. Well, and that's Christine doesn't really make friends beyond Mm-mm. who she's with, and she expects the same of you. Speaking of Christine, how fucking off-putting is it when you were watching Christine's dash and you see the speedometer speed up, but the odometer go backwards, and he just goes backwards, 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 backwards. You're like, what the fuck? Unsettling. It's, it is super creepy. It is super creepy. And it, I don't know why it's creepy, because no. it's just an odometer and a speedometer, but fuck. Well, it's the question is, what happens when she reaches zero? Is she reborn? 
uh, there's a number of things that you can look into that. You know, it's but this is probably I think like this is one of the first times I really noticed that. Me too. Where it was like, oh yeah, that's fairly thing. It leads us to the very end when they finally all come together, and it's almost like an intervention. Mm-hmm. Like we like got- we have to do something with Artie. He is fucking up, and he's dropping out of school. He used to be a straight-A student. Now he's... I mean, and then you can almost say Christine can be a metaphor for alcohol, drugs, toxic yep. relationship. Anything where you become too fixed on, yeah. too much of a good thing is always bad. And that's, I think, Stephen King's thing. But when they're like, yeah, we need to fix Artie, we come up with this plan. It's almost like a Scooby gang. It is. Okay, hold the conversation for one second. I got to tour the restroom real quick. Yeah. Oh, no, continue if you want. Oh, no, but it's it's super crazy how they're like, okay, we're going to come up with a plan and we're going to do it. But one thing I loved about their plan, well, I didn't love their plan because they're like, oh, well, we'll lock Christine in the garage and she can't get out. And I'm like, I'm thinking, she already mangled the fuck out of herself so she can kill, like, fat stuff in Creep Show too. The last thing she needs to do is, is the last thing she, she's going to make it through the, the door. But I'm like, eh, okay, we'll go ahead and do that. But then what I really enjoyed about that was when they're getting their plans, like, oh, this is going to work. Everything's going to be coming up Millhouse. And the next thing you know, Christine was there the whole fucking time just waiting for them. And we're going, I'm going to get you. And she did a good job. But when that reveal, like, I didn't, the whole time they were there, I didn't see Christine. And yet she comes out from a pile of rubbish. And it, in fact, actually gave me a jumble. Like, oh shit, it's Christine, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> but when she became more gnarled, and oh. when she became like more monstrous, and there was even parts where she looked like she was grabbing, and when she grabbed that car and yeah. just threw it aside, like, out of my way. Awesome. It was great. It was like, holy shit, this car is actually emoting and acting and moving. Well, we talked about it. it's a character piece with a lot of great character actors, but. Christine's a goddamn character. Yeah, and she goes through a journey. And uh, a change when she gets mar- marled and like and her she looks like she has teeth and she becomes actually fully monstrous. It's cool. It's great. It's super well, cool. It's like go back to the car. At the very end, we kind of get the true form right. of what was driving it. And see, so here's the thing. We were we were watching this vi- full disclosure. We were watching this video on um Killer oh, Car. Ryan Hollinger, I'll give him credit. Yeah. Great, great YouTuber. But I'm going to disagree with you, Brian. When you said that Christine threw Artie out on purpose, I don't think that happened. I think it was a mishap. It mm-hmm. was like because they were almost of one mind, mm-hmm. and they're like, I'm gonna, we're going to fucking run this girl down. When the collision happened and Artie flew out, you could see Christine's like, oh, shit, what did I do? Yep. Because she went berserk after when she realized she accidentally killed Artie. So I don't think it was like she killed on purpose. Yeah. I think it was just like, oh, shit. And I'll even, fuck you up. And I'll even argue to the point. I think this is the first time that Arnie was actually driving her on the rampages because it does set up a little bit of ambiguity initially of who's behind the wheel. And I think those first few kills we get, it's not Arnie. But at this point, because they're master blastering. Yeah. It. Yes, they are. Yeah. Yes, they are. Not shit. Fuel. <laughs> now and that reminds me. Now I'm thinking: Does Christine need fuel, or does she run on like quote unquote skeleton power? Interesting. I would assume to keep appearances up, she will placate fuel. But I would imagine, because as we see in the end, she's still moving. So I think she just can go and hmm. what she needs to. But she likes to make appearances like, oh, uh, oh I'm, just, <laughs> I'm uh, running out of gas. I'm re- regular regular human bartender, Jackie Daytona. 
I'm regular car Christine. Look at me. I'm with gas. Gulp, gulp, gulp. Gas prices are so high. You know? It would make sense. It would make sense. The So would a car wash be like a public bath? Yeah. Yeah, it's a little indecent. It's Christine's a proper girl. She would, you know, have her... Uh, I don't know. She performed her arty. That's true. But they were they were by themselves. That's true. That's a little too public for her. That's true. She's an old-fashioned girl genius. Old-fashioned values. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> no. But what I love, though, is sadly Arnie is, and again, and it's the, it's the casualty of the relationship. You know, they're all screaming, get away from her. She's bad for you. This is what happens. Um, that moment, that last caress that he has with her, I mean, to the end, he all is driven. It. Yeah, it's, it's unreal. And props to John um, Stockwell to learning to uh, drive the, the actual do- the the bulldozer. bulldozer. Oh, you really want to do that? Yeah, yeah. Speaking of that bulldozer scene, that was fucking hilarious when he's like, all right, we're going to fuck you up, Christine. And they're trying, and she's repairing herself, and she's like, oh. rock and roll's never going to die, right? And then, like. At that point, I was like, dude, if she, that was her middle finger, that whole rock and like, roll is never going to die. like, you can't kill me. You ain't going, I'm not fucking dying. It's so, it's great. And sure enough, they fucking don't. She lives to see another day. Even when they crush her and they get her crushed, next thing, boing, it's like, ah, shit. And like any good killer that comes back at the end, you can never put him down. What's the double tap for Christine? There is none. You know? The only thing, maybe if they would like melt her, they would have to turn. Smelt it. They would have to smelt her down. And speaking of, didn't we say James Cameron loved this movie? Oh, there's a number of things that I think Carpenter was like, get my lawyer on the phone. But- that makes sense because, like you said, in the Carpenter filmography, this is one of those I think it's largely forgotten. And we always joke about with Maximum Overdrive, the trailer, you know, Stephen King talking shit, you know, you know, every, a lot of people have tried to make my movies. And I, I think I do it myself. But if you look at this, man, I mean, this is Carpenter. This to me is King done right. Yeah, this is absolutely one of the probably better adaptations of a Stephen King work, especially old school one, by yeah. a master who's doing it for just fucking pay. Because, yeah. You know, it's just like, whatever. I need to make money. I'm going to feed my basketball habits somehow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> These marbles aren't going to pay for themselves. But when you have someone like Carpenter, even a work-for-hire film, and I think that's just it, because it wasn't necessarily the Prince of Darkness. You know, they live. Anything in the early, you know, late 70s, early 80s that he's well-known for, this falls like with Starman that came exactly. out the year I was after. I'm the same thing. A lot of the lesser, the ones you like, oh, that, yeah, that is that John is Carpenter. Carpenter. Yeah, are some of his best. Oh my Starman? god, Starman. Yeah, that's wonderful. Starman is just is at my second favorite Carpenter, bar none. Damn, that's that's strong. Yeah, that's really strong. I love that movie. It made me it, cry. It, does make it made cry. me happy. I mean, like that movie made me go on like all emotions. And it has does have a little bit of kinder trauma too when he crashes to Earth and he's in that weird state transforming into Jeff Bridges. Yeah. <laughs> now this was, I know that and reverse animal trauma because yeah they kill a deer, huh? but he brings it back to life. Oh, and that that moment and that that was a beautiful yeah. moment. That was a beautiful moment. I was like, <laughs> "Fuck you, hunters! Fuck you, hunters!" Didn't we? We saw that at the draft house when Theater One, if I remember right. And that's that's the rare 
employed Buck Flower performance. Right. Where he and actually, no facial hair. No, and he's not a drunk. He's, no. He's working. He's <laughs> working stiff. I'm telling you, that's what led him to the drunk. After all the shenanigans, man, I've seen some things that nobody fucking believes. And then he starts drinking. <laughs> Next thing you know, he's like, what is your wish? I'll tell you what I want to wish for. You know? And so, like, it's all a slippery slope. It is. It I'm is. I'm telling you, I, I know we're missing out this Carpenter Fest, but we need to bring Starman to the Carpenter Fest. Without I, a doubt. With, no. Needs to be shown. Christine and Starman need to be seen in a Carpenter Fest. Question, and it's been a while since I've seen either of them. In fact, they may be. I've seen that because I've seen. I know. I remember seeing them a lot of time on HBO. Uh, Village of the Damned and Memoirs of the Invisible of an Invisible Man. I haven't seen Memoirs of an Invisible Man for a long time, and I remember it being. Meh. But I we watched Village of the Damned for one of our March Madnesses. Yeah, I've seen that. Charlatan. Exactly. Exactly. Charlatan. See? Shenanigans about no. This one I'm glad in terms of putting together this month's I like programming. The name. It's got Buck Flowers and it's got Mark, Mark Hamill. Hamill. Yeah, and it's got Kirstie Alley and Superman. Not bad, not bad. Again, exploring the softer side of the Carpenter filmography. Ideally, we'll sneak those in for a few of the Carpenter films. I'm telling you this, Dustin. I pushed for Ghost of Mars for this year's because it is this year is Escape from New York, Escape from L.A., and They Live. So I was I was pushing for Ghost of Mars. Those at are the end. quality movies. They Those are. are quality movies. That's a good Carpenter Fest. Well, an Escape from L.A. on the big screen, I think, would be interesting. Tell me, man, Ghost of Mars, dude. Ghost of Mars, Vampires, and Starman would be the shit. Be the fucking shit. Be the controversial Carpenter Fest. Uh, final thoughts on Christine as we wrap these up. If she wasn't evil, I'd like a Christine. That's a rad looking car. It's a great looking car. But uh, th- that's the problem. It's the, the evil. It, but also, I think a car like that implies a lot of car culture, gearheadness, where you have to upkeep it, where your personality is the car. Although, I, I wouldn't mind a sentient car. Not yeah. necessarily sentient and killer, but... Sentient and shenanigans? Sentient and shenanigans. That's totally your thing. Like, if Christine was played by Kristen Wiig. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's you fair. know, just like she would be willing to dress up, get looking goofy. She'd put on a funky horn, you know. She'd be <laughs> right or something. I I could see that. I could see that she'd have the top down, top up. That would work. You, again, friendly shenanigan. The shenanigan mobile. How Needham could, could direct your film. Oh yeah. Versus a with versus a John Carpenter, but I'd probably go see it regardless. I wouldn't mind seeing John Waters, Christine. Give me a Baltimore junkyard. Give me oh. Divine plays the um, plays the owner of the junkyard. <laughs> That's good. Okay, we would have um, who would be Artie? What's one of the what's one, one of, of the, the Dreamlanders? Uh, let's see here. Johnny Knoxville. That would probably be a newer one. Yeah, because he was in he's been in two of John Waters films. I could see that. But then we would have Mink Stoll as the mom. That would work. You could well, you could also throw Patty Hearst as the mom as well. I'd like, you know what? I'd like Mink Stoll to be one of the toughs, one of the street toughs. Yeah, hatchet face thing to come in yeah. and be one of the bad guys. Or Tracy Lords. Give me an all female street toughs. Tracy Lords plays the girlfriend. Oh, okay. No, okay. better. She'd have to play Kelly Preston's part. Kelly Preston. Ricky Lake plays, plays yes. Uh, yes. Alexandra Paul's part. That's perfect. Goddamn. John Waters, you can still make this happen. We talked about how, you know. Serial Mom will be the closest we get for a real horror film with him, but give me a killer car, John Waters movie. I would tell you, I would love to see John Night Waters set in the unleashed, 50s. unleashed, just filthy and, and violent. Maximum Overdrive in Baltimore. The I'll cars take that it. ate Baltimore. 
There it is. There it is. Now, that being said... Hey, uh, they're all racing to see what can be the grossest car in Baltimore. Running over shit all the time. Exactly. That's... John Waters' death race through 2000? Oh, God damn it. Yeah, no. Oh, God damn it. See, I, you're making you're making me imagine shit that can't be now, genius. Don't do that. It's just not nice. Rats. Well, here next week, uh, we're continuing The Killer Cars with another film from the 80s. Don't fuck with this man. It's what I think. I'm pretty sure we did as a movie night. In your backyard. Yes, we did. And at Tapcade. And at Tapcade. It made its full, now, full circle. <laughs> back into the regular show and I'm pretty sure we're going to have a special guest on mm-hmm. uh, tune in to find out who it is so until that time this is Greg D we're going to shunt with cars and we'll see you in your dreams we'll